The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, this is Pastor Doug Birch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. On today's show, we're going to talk about the dark side of community. You know, it's not always easy for some people to be in community, to be in relationships. In fact, for some people, it's way more difficult than anyone else. Some people have experienced spiritual abuse, physical abuse, the kind of abuse that makes it almost impossible to connect with other people. On today's show, we're gonna talk about how to love, encourage, and abide with people who've experienced the dark side of community on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Thanks for joining me for this Fairly Spiritual Show. I am your host, Pastor Doug Bursch. So glad you could join me. It's kind of a cold week, but it was clear, so that's good. Uh, hey, if you'd like to text the show or contact the show, uh, if there's anything during this show or any show you'd like to comment about or text me about, you can text me at this number, 360-818-4513. I want to know if people are listening to this program, if it's worth having this program on this station. If so, please text me at this number, 360-818-4513. You can also go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org, and you can find out ways to buy my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, which, in fact, uh, the material I'm talking about today is in chapter 16 of that book, The Community of God. And, of course, you can find ways to donate to keep the show on air, and certainly you want to find ways to donate, right? That's clearly what you want to do today. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org to do that. So on today's show, I want to give a little bit of a warning, uh, even maybe a trigger warning, and please don't make fun of that statement, trigger warning. Uh, If you know anything about um, the concept of triggering, there are uh, psychological realities where certain information can trigger people into really, they can have panic attacks, they can have a true psychological trauma based on certain topics being addressed. So it is appropriate to warn people if you're going to talk about events or talk about topics that might trigger people to um, remember uh, past events that are traumatic. I don't think it's something we should make fun of. And uh, I think we need to be very careful that if anything I do would cause someone to feel or to experience trauma, then why wouldn't I go out of my way to warn someone ahead of time? Why wouldn't I be sensitive and Christ-like to do that? So I, I get pretty upset with Christians who belittle the fact of trigger warnings. Certainly any concept, any warning, people could take that to its extreme But just because people misuse the concept of trigger warning doesn't mean that the concept isn't valid. And I really think we need to get that in our head, that any concept, any activity can be misused. But because it's misused, it doesn't mean we don't use this. So I'm going to be sensitive here. I think this will be open to anyone and any experience. But I do want you to know that I'm going to talk about 
abuse in today's show because I'm going to talk about the dark side of community. Uh, For the last few Fridays, uh, we have a show on Wednesday and on Friday. On Friday, I've been talking about how it's important to abide in community, how we've been made for community, how the central role of, um, or one of the central aspects of the Bible is that we are created not just for individual salvation and individual discipleship and individual this, but the reality is we are created for community, and we've often made our faith into an individualistic pursuit. But I wanted to spend some time talking about the uniqueness that some people, when I talk about community and I call you into community, you've gone through experiences that make community almost impossible. And I don't want to just say, hey, you know, just suck it up, just just do like everybody else does, you know, quit complaining and join us. For some people, it may be too difficult. For some people, it might just be too hard. For some people, you may never abide in the kind of community that other people abide in. It might just be something that you never experience in the same way that other people do, and that's because you've experienced profound trauma and profound abuse. And we need to recognize this as a church, that not everyone can abide in community in the same ways. Not everyone can go to church and have the same experience because some people have experienced the dark side of community. And when I mention the dark side of community, I I think about a couple topics. That some people have experienced physical abuse, uh, mental abuse, sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse. And because you've experienced abuse, and particularly if you've experienced abuse from people, I shouldn't say particularly, any abuse can cause these things, but I'm going to focus in on certain kinds of abuse. But if you've experienced abuse from people you should have been able to trust. When you've experienced abuse from people who should have protected you, uh, once that's happened, it's almost impossible to trust anyone. It's almost impossible to truly open your heart to anyone. In spiritual abuse, if you've been abused by a spiritual leader, if you've been abused by a church system or structure, or spiritual abuse was a part of the parenting that occurred in the house you grew up in, It's almost impossible to trust anyone, even to trust me now. You're just waiting for me to say or do something that's going to harm you. And even if in your mind you're waiting, like you're saying, no, Doug, I received this, that there's still something in you subconsciously that still is waiting for something bad to happen. Because when those things happen at a formative stage, there's just a part of you that waits for the bad thing to happen, that pulls your heart back, that pulls your body back, that just cannot trust people the way others trust people. I'm not saying that miracles can't occur. I'm not saying that you can't grow through this. And 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 I'll mention at the end of the show, and I'd mention now that there's some great psychiatric treatments that you can have, and you can meet with good psychiatrists and good counselors, and there's good medications, and there's many holistic ways to find healing and help. But you still may struggle with this your whole life, and it's not your fault. It's not something you did. It's just the reality of how you experience life when the people you should have trusted abused that trust. People who've gone through spiritual abuse or a parent or a loved one or a family member has betrayed them, it is almost impossible, and I do want to say this, not to say it's impossible for your healing, but for others who put expectations on you, for others who say, why won't you come to church like everyone else? Why won't you hang out like everyone else? Why won't you go to the women's group like everyone else? Why won't you just be normal like everyone else? I want them to know that it's almost impossible to trust anyone when the people you should have trusted the most 
betray that trust. And it's not a sign you're a second-class citizen or you're just a really bad Christian that you struggle with connecting with people. It's just a sign you were abused, you were harmed, you were hurt, and life is really difficult. Psychological abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, those have a cost. We must recognize that. And if I could just do one show just on that, that might seem so boring to people. Like, well, give us the answer, Doug, and tell us how to fix it. Well, maybe I don't do a show telling you how to fix it. I just say we should recognize that reality that people who've experienced physical abuse, psychological abuse, spiritual abuse, it's a miracle that they would even go through the doors of a church. It's a miracle that they would talk to anyone. And instead of condemning them for not connecting with people well enough, we should praise them for just simply talking to someone, for continuing to have any kind of faith in God. That we should just be like, thank you. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for not giving up on life. Thank you for at some level trying to connect with anyone instead of putting higher expectations upon them. I want to talk about another thing here too that I don't think the church is aware of enough, not just the church, I just don't think people are aware enough, is the concept of dissociating. And this is a a psychological term, and I'm not a counselor here, but I've done some study on this of that when you experience tremendous trauma, and this is similar to people who've also experienced a post-traumatic stress syndrome, but when people have experienced tremendous trauma and people who've experienced abuse and people who've been in war sometimes have similar post-traumatic stress syndrome symptoms. But when people experience tremendous trauma, they often dissociate. And dissociating is a very fascinating thing that happens in the mind, and I actually think it's a gift from God. Uh, dissociating, let me explain it to you what it is. It's, it's, it's where your mind kind of separates into two parts. It can be two parts, three parts, four parts, but it's where your mind can kind of compartmentalize or separate from itself. And here's an example of dissociating that we all do because everyone dissociates at some level. Have you ever been driving? Like you're driving late at night and you're kind of tired and you're just heading home and you're, you're kind of mindless in your driving. You're just driving along, and suddenly you realize you haven't been paying attention to your driving. You, you suddenly are like, oh, I, I, have I been driving? And you realize for the last five minutes, or you don't even know how many minutes, you haven't been paying attention to your driving. You're like, was, was I driving? What did I do? Did, where, where was I going? Like your mind just took over driving without you thinking about it. Now, you know you must have been in the lines, and you must have stopped at the stop signs, and you must have done the right, you know, driving, you know, you clearly didn't run into a tree, but you dissociated. You were just thinking thoughts, and your mind said, I'll drive, and you don't even have to think about it. Or you're doing a repetitive task, and the task is so repetitive, you stop thinking about the task, and you start doing something else. That's dissociating. What I want to talk about is another kind of dissociating we do when terrible things happen to us. And I'll talk about that right after the break. Well, today's show is a little bit different, and I hope this show is a little bit different. And if you like that, I'd love it if you could keep this show on the air. We need your support. Could you go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today? We need your donations. A $25 donation is a huge donation when it comes to keeping this little show on the radio. Please go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. You can also order my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, through Amazon. Just search Douglas S. Birch or The Community of God. Today's show is about chapter 16 in the book. 
And you can also subscribe to podcasts and iTunes and SoundCloud and all kinds of good stuff through the website. Most importantly, share this show with other people. We need your support to continue on. Your support matters greatly. Thank you. So uh, before the break, I was talking about dissociating. And we all do this at some level. We dissociate where, when we're driving or you're doing a repetitive task where we just forget what we're doing. And it's not that we're forgetting. It's just a part of our mind begins to do one task and a part of our mind does something else. Well, when it comes to abuse or when it comes to trauma, we dissociate as well. Uh, for instance, in, in the, it, when people are experiencing tremendous trauma uh, that they cannot escape, Sometimes they separate from themselves. They'll, they'll have this feeling where they feel like they're hovering over their body. Or they, they talk in terms of, it felt like I wasn't being harmed or I wasn't being abused. Someone else was being abused. It's they feel like they kind of stepped outside their body. Now, some people can experience it as it's happening. They can explain it. Others don't explain it, but it just happens. And I really believe dissociating is a gift from God because we can't survive the trauma otherwise. If we're fully experiencing it, it's too much to take. And so what happens when we're being abused or we're experiencing a trauma, there's a part of our body that just protects itself. It just closes down. It shuts down. And then there's a part of our body that experiences the trauma. It's a way to protect oneself. It's when a child can't escape, it protects itself by saying, I'm just you know, going to shut down a part of my body. We don't consciously say shut down now our bodies shut down for us. Dissociating is, to me, a gift from God so that we can survive tremendous trauma. People who've experienced abuse dissociate at some level. But this is one of the things that happen happens. We dissociate when we are in those abusive situations, and then when we become adults, we find ourselves in safer situations. When we're in those non-safe situations, uh, our lives become dissociated, fractured, detached. But then we find ourselves uh, in a safer situation where things, uh, where we don't have to uh, defend ourselves or we don't have to protect ourselves. Often this is when we are older and we're no longer in that abusive environment. Sometimes it can even be when we end up in a healthy church. And this is what I want Christians to know. I've seen this happen. Someone who's had an abusive background can come into a church and then they experience all kinds of conflicting things. They begin to cry, and they don't know why they're crying. They begin to have all these conflicting emotions. They, even when people are dissociated, they begin to feel, and, and, they, and they begin to like tr- deal with this abuse in the past. They begin to feel dizzy. They begin to feel just out of control. They begin to feel confused, uh, conflicted. Uh, there's these breakthroughs of these worlds that have been separate, these, these worlds that they've kept separate. And these things begin to break through in the church setting, and they feel traumatized. So someone will come to the front for prayer, and they'll say, I don't know what's happening in church. You know, I I feel like crying, and I don't know why I'm crying. I feel anger. I feel upset. I even feel attacked. They might even use it as an attack because there's all these conflicting emotions going on. Well, if it's someone who's been abused, they might be having a breakthrough in this compartmentalized life. They might actually be having where they've had this separate life, where there was a part of their life that was separated and hidden and protected during the times of abuse as a child that's now trying to break through. God's now trying to integrate their life and help them to find healing in those areas and to become a whole person. They might be actually experiencing their body trying to become whole again. But what happens is they come to the front and 
to the prayer ministry and someone is like, well, you're being attacked by Satan. Let's pray that away. And so someone begins to pray away those emotions and pray away that fear and pray away that anxiety and pray away that trauma. And they pray away what's going on in that person's life. And so maybe the person feels a certain amount of peace and then they go home and then they come back to church and they start feeling that trauma again because they're trying to integrate their life. And so we pray against that attack again. And what I'm saying is praying against that is not the right thing to do. When people are in safe environments, specifically people who've been abused, they need time to integrate their lives. We don't want to pray away those emotions. We don't want to pray away the fact that they're crying or angry or upset or confused or conflicted. We want to provide safe places where people can integrate their whole self into community and they can integrate their whole self in the presence of God. We need to provide an altar where the person can come up and say, man, I'm just feeling all conflicted right now. And we're just going to say, you know, I'm just going to pray right now that God can be with you in this moment. And Lord, we just ask that you would just fully be with, you know, let's say if her name is Sarah, we say, Lord, we just thank you for Sarah and that you're working in her life. And Lord, we just ask that you'd enter into every area of Sarah's life and you would you would just right now bring healing and peace and restoration. And we just thank you that you're with her in every area. And then any area of her life, we just ask that you'd enter every room. You'd, you'd enter every area of her life, that this is a safe place, and that you'd come and minister to her in every area, in every situation, and that she is safe here, and that she can just be herself and just abide in this room. We thank you for that. You can pray whatever else the Holy Spirit tells you to pray, and you can say, you know what, and if there's, if there's abuse in that environment and someone truly is feeling traumatized, you can say, you know, I would love for you to see a good counselor or a good psychiatrist, and let's help you in this process towards healing. Here's another reality. I know some of this stuff is kind of deep, but it's important because many people in your church have experienced abuse, and you might have experienced abuse as well, and there's so much condemnation when we don't feel right, like when we feel detached, the pastor starts talking about something and you start feeling numb and you start feeling distant. And it's not a sign that you're a bad person or you're doing something wrong. It's a sign that your body's trying to protect yourself. And it's a very physiological thing. Because if you were in an environment where someone you loved would hurt you for no reason, there's a part of your body that says, I know your mind thinks things are okay, but your body says things will never be okay because the people you should have trusted hurt you. And so you may always struggle with that numbness, and you should be able to have an environment where you can just say, I'm feeling kind of numb right now, and I, I know it's okay, and I know no one's going to hurt me here, but I still feel numb. I still feel distant. I'm feeling like running away. Where were you last Sunday? I, you know, I just, I just didn't feel like I could come. I know that's not rational, but that's how I felt. And instead of receiving condemnation and guilt and shame, people can say, that's okay. We understand. We love you. We're so glad you're in relationship with us. We're not judging you by how many Sundays you come or whether you come to the women's group or not. We know you said you're going to come, and at the last second you didn't come, and it's okay. We love you. We wish you were here. We missed you. But we understand for you it's harder than other people. It's okay. There's a dark side to community. It's different for people, and we must recognize that. It's not the same. We have no right to judge them. And for me, I have to give up on this as a pastor. Instead of trying to just change people and fix people and get them to be like everyone else, I need to find a way to love them the way they need to be loved. 
And that means to, to give up the expectations. That means to love people knowing that they may never be in community the way I want them to be in community. To go find them and love them just for the sake of loving them. To understand that they may, you know, only connect with the church a little bit, and when those intimacy issues arise, or they might just say that's enough and go somewhere else, and that's okay, and not make it about me, but make it about this: Did I love them well? Was I a safe person? Did I never harm them? Did I never hurt them? Were they able to trust me? Maybe that trust built a certain foundation of peace in their life. I want to say this as well. This is why it's so important in everything we do that we don't ever do anything that creates in people a distance. If you're a parent right now and your parenting is out of control, and, and I, I just want to say this, if you're a, a, a parent where every once in a while you just lose it with your kids and you scream at them and you yell at them and you become abusive, and I don't need to qualify that, you know what I'm talking about. If you become abusive, let's say even if you're nice all week, and then once a week you're abusive, or you're fine all week, but every once in a while you drink and you get a little tipsy, and then you're abusive when you drink, it doesn't matter how often you're abusive, it's the fact that they can't trust you that is doing tremendous harm to their psyche. And you have to deal with that. You need to get help immediately. You need to get professional help. You did not just go to the altar and have prayer but you need to get professional help because you're going to harm that child for the rest of their life. Because it's not the fact that you're good to them you know, 90% of the time. It's the fact that 10% of the time or even 1% of the time they can't trust you. Because all they need is that for 1% of the time you slap them or 1% of the time you harm them, that 1% of the time will make the rest of their 99% of the time fearful. It'll make it where they, will, they won't connect with anyone. They'll always feel that everyone is a threat and everyone is going to harm them and everyone cannot be trusted and everyone really doesn't love them. And if they do the wrong thing, something bad's going to happen and many of them will feel like it's their fault. And so if you are engaged in behaviors like that and you're minimizing them by saying, well, I don't do it that often, it's not that big of a deal, it's a big deal. And in fact, in some ways it could be even more of a big deal because they can't even trust your behavior. Uh, if they know someone, you know, every day, you know, at around nighttime they're abusive, at least they can trust when the abuse is going to come. But if you're someone who's really nice and then suddenly abusive, it's just as bad or worse. I know these are difficult things because some of you are raised in those environments, and this might help explain some things for you that you loved your parents and you still try to love your parents, but you know that your dad was occasionally abusive to you. And that occasional abuse has made it where you've never really been able to trust your husband. You've never really been able to trust your wife. That occasional abuse makes it where you don't trust intimacy and you're fearful of how you love others as well. There's a dark side to community. I want to spend this time in the closing of today's show to pray for you because I do believe in holistic healing. I believe there is healing through psychiatric care psychological care. And I also believe there's healing through prayer as well. I think we do all these things. You do everything. You pray, you talk, you do whatever is necessary. And yes, there's appropriate medicines as well. But I want to pray for you right now. Father God, I pray right now for those listening 
who've experienced trauma, who've experienced psychological abuse, physical abuse, and spiritual abuse. And, and every one of you, it's a different situation. But Lord, right now, I know you know each situation. And I know at the cross, you experienced abuse. You were beaten. You were spit upon. You were harmed. You were defiled. You were sinless, and yet you were abused. And you understand abuse. I understand, Lord, that at the cross, you didn't just die for our sins, but you died for the sins done against us. That you went to the cross to identify, to identify with the sins done against us. So you truly are our advocate. You bore our griefs and our sorrows at the cross. As Isaiah says, Isaiah 53 is at the cross, you bore our griefs and our sorrows. Lord, I pray right now for those who have griefs and sorrows, you would remove those and bring healing in Jesus' name. For the griefs and the sorrows of those who've been abused, would you bring healing and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you listening. Go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. I'd love for you to donate. You can text me, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Learn more about this topic in my book, The Community of God. Make room for the Lord. He loves you dearly. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.